Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, my esteemed host, is with us today. And, you know, between Kathy and I, we have helped thousands of leaders to perform in the top 10%. We're always excited to bring you new information, new cutting-edge tools that you can use for yourself to be a star performer and also for the teams that you lead. And so if you've been listening to us this last year, you know we've been focusing on what top performers do in the moment to be a top performer and how do they zero in on what we're calling emotional brilliance, the title of our new book. So things like what kind of emotions do these top performers bring to the experience? How do they gear themselves up for top performance? How can we get better to understand what these emotions are and how to use them? What brings up an emotional brilliance performance? What emotions are most challenging? And so our goal here is to help you expand, improve, and select the best emotional competencies and strengths to master the moment. Everything happens in the moment. And so, you know, we've been talking a lot about emotional intelligence over the years, and emotional brilliance zeroes in. So it's almost like if emotional intelligence is the, is the territory on your Google Maps, emotional brilliance is zooming in on your home. If emotional intelligence is all of your clothes in your closet and you have that big presentation that you need to do, emotional brilliance is your go-to clothes for that moment. And we're doing some research on emotional brilliance. And so on the website, Voice America, there is an emotional brilliance survey. You can click on it. and We'd love to get your feedback. And so let me just introduce Kathy. And then we have a really exciting show that we're going to bring to you uh, about the crisis of Hurricane Harvey and a chief operating officer, Rob Mammerstein, that we're going to bring on in a moment. We'll tell you a little more about him how he handled that situation, and, and we'll see if we can glean out some of the emotional brilliant moments. But Kathy Greenberg uh, and I have been doing this for now our 12th year, and we're in 45 countries, 126 cities. And if you're familiar with Kathy, she coaches leading executives and entire companies. She's the founder of four consultancies and three leadership institutes. She has her own uh, IAP called Your Happiness Now, where you can see her glowing face, and her website where you can take some of her um, quizzes from her latest book, Fearless Leaders Sharpen Your Focus, is called, uh, the website is www.fearlessleadersquiz, and Kathy you can get in touch with at drkathygreenberg.com. Kathy, welcome. Hey, Riley. I'm excited to talk to Rob. What a, what an experience he's going to share with us that's going to really truly uh, create not only a mindset for our, our audience, but an opportunity to share an amazing experience. You know, I, I was actually one of those people that uh, got out of Florida just in time for, for Irma and then came back to uh, quite a mess. So I'm very excited to hear uh, from Rob. But before we do, I just want to make sure that all of our listeners uh, know who my 
favorite coach and co-host is, and of course that's Dr. Relly Nadler. For those of you who don't know him, he is a master level certified executive coach. Obviously, Relly brings all of his legendary experience and his expertise to this show on the subject of emotional intelligence. Of course, his keynotes, consulting, coaching, and his development programs. And for those of you who follow him as an author, he has six books, including a new book, Physician Burnout. Dr. Relly's top-ranked book, which many of you are probably familiar with, is called Leading with Emotional Intelligence. It provides hundreds of tools and tips to be your best and strategies to develop star performance, including yourself. Don't forget, you know, this is all about improving us, making you a better you, as Neil Vaughn likes to say. His Leadership Keys Field Guide is available on Amazon. You can get it as an ebook, and he has a free iApp called Leadership Keys, and you can get all of his videos and tips and tools right there from him directly. He also has a popular blog on Psychology Today. He's got over 240,000 reads, and it's called Leading with EI. You can get more from Relly at EI Central. His website is www.drrellynadler.com. That's D-R, rellynadler.com. And Relly, I don't know if you want to um, help share the uh, the text number that people can go to to get more on EI Central. Uh, uh, yeah, that's 38140. But so, and they would text... Um, to 38140. EI Central, right? EI Central. Perfect. So Perfect. let me just introduce um, Rob. I met Rob. Catholic, you were saying we've been working with physician burnout, and Rob is the chief operating officer of the Kingwood Hospital, and we were doing a, a program with him. And, and uh, aside from having a really exciting background, um, just what he kind of went through, uh, to me, uh, highlighted what we're calling emotional brilliance. And so Rob will share some of the information about how he's managed the staff and patients' emotions during the 2017 Hurricane Harvey. And as I understand it, we'll get more information from him. There were 500 people that were stranded at the hospital, both staff and patients. We'll get all the specifics from him. But Rob joined the HCA Houston Healthcare Kingwood as Chief Operating Officer in January uh, 2017, so it wasn't really much after he was there that uh, the hurricane came in. He's also served as a COO at other places, the HCA Houston Healthcare Mainland. He's held various other progressive leadership roles, joining um, HCA Healthcare in 2008. So he's been doing this for a long time. He transitioned into healthcare. He had a career working in the hospitality industry, and... Um, He's very well respected there at the hospital. We were we were great to to have him be a part of what we're doing there. And so before we bring him on, just a couple more things, and we'll jump right into our uh, questions. Why are we talking about emotions so much? And Kathy, you know this. We've shared in our, our shows that emotions are are very very challenging today. Frustration is probably one of the key emotions that people have at work. Matter of fact, 60% of workers have seen their boss get angry at someone at work. And we know from the Yale Center of Emotional Intelligence that emotions matter. Why? It affects attention, memory, learning. Your decision-making and judgment, we'll hear from Rob about some of the decision-making judgment, your relationship quality, 
physical health, mental health, and then also for our students' academic and also life success. So let's bring on Rob. Rob, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here. Well, Rob, we're, we're, we're so very glad excited that you're about what you're going to share. We've got some questions that we're going to uh, go over. Maybe, Kathy, yeah. you want to kind of start? Yeah. Can you hear me okay? Could be a little louder, but I can yes. hear you. Okay. And I can hear you just fine. Um, I started to, yeah. I started to ask uh, Rob a question, and I uh, wasn't sure if you could hear. So, Rob, um, just as a background to some of the questions I'm going to ask you, I'm very excited because I used to be on the board of Cancer Treatment Centers of America, and um, of course, Schultze, who was you know a, a total master in the area of um, hospitality, was on our board as well, and we saw a lot of... Um, I'll say similarities in what needs to be done in that hospitality suite, if you will, that that wheelhouse in in the uh, medical facilities uh, that Cancer Treatment Centers of America had. So I'm very interested to hear your background. So if you can give us a quick background and some, you know, key information uh, about uh, how you got to Kingwood Hospital, that would be fantastic. Sure. Um, well, thank you both again for having me, and, and really, I appreciate the introduction. But yeah, my, my undergraduate degree is in hospitality management, and I did uh, want to get into resorts before I got into hospitals, and I ended up working uh, for Universal Studios and Lowe's Hotels for a couple of years before going to graduate school for healthcare administration. And uh, you mentioned, Kathy, a minute ago, a lot of parallels between um, hospitality and hospital operations. Um, not the least of which is, is the most obvious. At the end of the day, you still have a house full of guests. Uh, the reasons they're there uh, are certainly different than they are in a resort, but um, their, their basic needs that must be met are, are really the same. Uh, another similarity is that in a, a hospital as well as a resort, you're dealing with uh, very diverse, widely varied staff in terms of you know, race, religion, creed, socioeconomic status, um, education level, specialty, uh, of their, their work tasks and so on. So a lot of the uh, general people and customer management aspects are, are quite similar between, between a resort and a hospital. Um, as, as we heard earlier when Relly was introducing me, I've been here at Kingwood for, for about three years now. I've been with HCA for going on 12, um, and it's been a, been a great ride so far. I, I always feel like I, I learn something new every day, and the treadmill is always going a little bit faster than I can run, which is um, <laughs> exciting for me. Um, and it's it's really been an honor and a pleasure to to serve as one of the executives here at a, a 419 bed multi specialty, you know, tertiary referral center hospital on the north side of Houston. It's been a been a great experience. Amazing. Um, just hearing some of the the specifics, and you and I, you know. Uh, talk when we were there, but maybe you know walk us through kind of what happened with the the hurricane. I know, and you had said you know you had gotten you I guess interviewed for a couple of TV shows and, and things just because we all you know just saw it on the news. But kind of from a you know crisis standpoint, what 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 happened and what you have to deal with? Sure. So um, Hurricane Harvey for us wasn't what you typically think of in terms of a hurricane. Uh, really here in, in the northeastern part, we didn't have a whole lot of wind or other, you know, storm surge because obviously we're quite far from, from the water. It was really just a very significant rain event for us. It started raining. 
you know, on, on August 25th, came into work that Friday with my um, air mattress and a couple changes of clothes, and we didn't go home until uh, at earliest the, the following Thursday. Uh, so really over the course of those six days, we received over 50 inches of rain, and anybody who's, who's watched the news over the past few years knows that Houston is, is the Houston, whole Houston area is prone to flooding. Uh, what people don't realize is that this area on the kind of northeastern suburban uh, region of Houston really got some of the, the worst flooding in the entire region. And, um, you know, one of the good things about a hurricane is usually you know when it's going to come, so you have at least a little bit of time to prepare. But really the service interruptions here in terms of, um, you know, not being able to get to or from the hospital, not being able to get supplies or people to or from the hospital, uh, those are the types of things that we really need to be well prepared for and deal with. And I'm, I'm very happy and, and particularly proud of our team to report that uh, we didn't run out of a single thing over those six days. And, you know, while we had 500 staff and probably 250 or so patients, um, locked in the building for that week. Um, we had zero patients, zero staff, and zero guests um, harmed during the storm. Wow. So, so Rob, we want to get into more of the, uh, the details. Thanks for kind of uh, at least painting the picture. So we're going to take our first break. Um, this is Leadership Development News. Don't go away. We'll be right back, and we're going to hear more how Rob, you know, dealt with that situation. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better? What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. 
Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, WhatHappyWorkingMothersKnow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at H2CLeadership.com. That's H2CLeadership.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We are having an engaging conversation with Robert Marmestein, who joined HCA Houston Healthcare Kingwood as the Chief Operating Officer in January of 2017 and shortly after we had Hurricane Harvey. So right before we went to break, Rob, you were talking about uh, kind of the, the setup, the background. You had 419-bed hospital. You have 500 employees and 250 patients stuck in this hospital for six days. And uh, the picture you painted was actually a pretty good one in the sense that you all prepared well. Uh, you got hit very, very hard by this. Um, tell me a little bit about perhaps some of the issues that you faced early on that were really, for you, defining moments in, in how to prioritize and emotionally uh, and physically how everybody dealt with that. Sure. So I, I think I kind of would separate that into to two sections. First is the pre-storm. So as I said earlier, with a hurricane, you have the, the fortune of being able to have some time to plan. And every hospital uh, has some type of emergency operations plan. And we all have a, a standardized way that we activate our what we call incident command centers and so on. But really pre-storm, the things that we're most worried about and issues that we most uh, – need to get our arms around early are, of course, staffing, need to make sure I have enough people inside the building to take care of any patients that either are here or might show up during the storm. Um, Physicians, do we have the right doctors in the house? Um, And if they're not, are we sure that they can get here if if they needed to be? And then, of course, our, our normal emergency management supplies, making sure we have our basics, food, water, medication, surgical supplies, linen, and so on. So starting with people, we have a plan here where we have essentially a, a staff A, staff B, and staff C. So if you're expecting a significant weather emergency, the hospital, once we declare an emergency, we go into what we call a lockdown, and we um, require all of our staff A and staff B teams to be here. Now, the A team is going to work uh, 12 hours during the day, and then they're going to sleep at night, and the B team is going to work 12 hours at night um, while they sleep during the day. So... Planning for that on the front end is, is, you know, much easier, much simpler than actually implementing it. Because when you, although everybody knows that they sign on for when they start to work at a hospital, 
when you actually make the call and have to come in during an emergency situation, all of those other emotions, you know, really come about. You know, I've got 500 people in the building. How many of them are worried about whether their house is still there? How many of them are worried about their families or their pets or, um, you know, their loved ones that are in the area that, you know, they can't be with those folks because they need to be here to, to take care of patients. So it's important to set the um, kind of the stage on the front end of, we all work in a hospital. We all have an obligation to our patients, and, and we have a calling, and we're here for a reason, and we must remain focused on our patients. And, you know, as a result, we need to make whatever plans and um, take whatever measures we need to do on the front end to know that we can feel safe uh, about our families and not have to worry about them, and we can stay focused on the work that we do, that we do here. Then once the storm actually started, Rob, you know, everybody's in-house. Rob, I just there's, have one. There's various. I'm sorry? Yeah. I just want to, I just want to clarify before you continue. So there was A team and B team and mm-hmm. C team. Could you just repeat what those three teams did and how you organized them? Uh, yes, I, I forgot. I did not mention C team. So A and B team are the day shift and the night shift during the storm. And C team is who comes in to relieve those folks after the storm has lifted and the roads are passable. So, there are people that get to stay home with their families, and they know as soon as they're able to make it to the hospital, it's their responsibility to come in and relieve their coworkers who've been here throughout the, the disaster. Uh, then, um, once the, the storm actually started, you know, some of the the unknowns are we're going to have an influx of patients. The Coast Guard was doing it's it's, it's crazy to say this because we're in a residential neighborhood. The Coast Guard is doing. Um, helicopter rescues with baskets like they would do in the middle of the ocean, deep water rescues, um, and dropping patients off in our parking lots. We were landing four and five helicopters at a time uh, while the roads were still passable. Random ambulances, buses, trucks, dump trucks, what have you, would show up and and drop off um, people that were in need. And we just need to make sure that that we're prepared to take care of those folks. Uh, Unfortunately, I mentioned earlier we were 419 beds. We only had about 250 patients in-house at the time, so we did have the capacity. And due to a lot of really smart decisions by a lot of our directors, we had um, plenty of supplies, medications, and, and, and so forth to take care of all those patients. In terms of just dealing with people's uh, emotions as they showed up to work, um, A-team and B-team, you've got a mix of emotions from some uh, kind of team-related uh, excitement and anxiety about, you know, we're about to go through this difficult thing together and, you know, there's a little bit of a novelty aspect to it. Um, so from, from that, really more on the positive end to really more on the negative end, there's a lot of fear and, and less healthy anxiety around, well, I'm at the hospital, what's going on with my home, what's going on with my family, and, um, you know, really people having to make personal sacrifices in order to to come take care of our patients here at the hospital. And I, uh, I'm sorry to say we had at least 30 or 40 of our own employees um, and physicians have significant damage to their homes, their vehicles, and other things like that. But the vast majority of them were, were here with unbelievably wonderful attitudes and smiles and, you know, really um, putting their best put, foot forward and, and making me very proud of our organization and the way that they took care of patients. And, and then, Rob, so what about we got kind of the emotions of the staff, and, and this is really, um, you know, really helpful what you're, what you're saying. 
you know, they're excited, they're anxious, they're worried about their family. Uh, I think one of the things we'll come back to is kind of the shared vision, we would call that, of, you know, their calling and what their higher level and almost saying, uh, let's, you know, let's focus on what our calling is. What, what were some of the emotions that the patients had? Well, of course, anytime you're a patient, you're usually not having a good day unless you're having a baby. Um, so uh-huh. everything that happens in the hospital if you're the patient is, is scary, right? And yeah, I think a patient's emotions are generally going to be a little bit more of, of fear and anxiety, and that's really part of our job is to manage those things. You know, of course, it's critically important that we're doing the right things for a patient clinically, but when we train our caregivers, you know, doing the right things clinically is, is really the baseline. The other half of, of what you'd consider quality of care is managing that patient's expectations and emotions and communicating with them. Uh, we find that because as a, being, in a, being a patient in a hospital, there are so many unknowns, those unknowns very easily and naturally turn into fear and anxiety. Mm-hmm. So the more comprehensively and completely we communicate with patients and let them know what's going on and what to feel good about, um, and, and what the next steps are with their care and what we're doing to keep them safe, you know, that just fills all those holes of uncertainty with, with real information because I think we all know in the absence of information, people tend to make up their own stories, and those are usually uh, negative or scary ones, right? Sure, yeah, self-talk. So, Rob, one of the things that, that um, to follow up on this, so... More specifically, what, like, what interventions did you do? So one thing I got as far as, and we're trying to pull out and tease out, you know, for our listeners what you did. Sounds like a lot on the front end, prevention. You, there's a lot of kind of uh, scenario playing, so you were really prepared for that. And then you had the shared vision of the higher calling to kind of, you know, maybe relegate some of the immediate concern of the family. It's always there. Did you guys, like with the staff, what were some of the things that you did was, you know, as far as communication goes? Was there, um, you know, all-hands meetings? Were there uh, emails, voicemails? I mean, to, you know, especially around the information to, for themselves and then to pass on to the patients. What kind of things were, did you do that were helpful? Yeah, so a lot of things. I mentioned a minute ago how the communication was so important in order to keep patients calm and feeling safe. Um, of course, it's the same thing with our staff. You know, kind of when you think about, you know, the foundation of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, do you have food, water, shelter? That's the most important thing. Of course we did, but communicating to everybody that we are well prepared from a food, water, shelter standpoint and and safety standpoint is critically important. So, you know, we did have, uh, unfortunately had had, um, electrical supply through either the grid or through our generators at at all times during, during the storm. Um, most of the time was actually on generators. So we had computers, we had email, we had overhead announcements. We did have all-hands meetings, as, as you mentioned, but I think what was probably more useful than that is at least three times a day we had uh, a mandatory meeting with our entire executive team and all of our directors in our hospital to really um, succinctly communicate, here's the situation in our hospital right now, here's the situation with the weather, here's what we expect to happen over the next 12 to 24 hours, and here's what we're doing about it. And then really just all the leaders going out and rounding and rounding constantly because not only do, I felt like not only did our staff need to 
know that they were well taken care of, but they needed to know that their leaders were right here with them. And, you know, it's not like I was getting to go home and sleep in my bed or go stay in a hotel every night. You know, we're all a team focused on the same thing to take the best care of patients that we can. So a lot of communication. um, I'm sorry? I was just going to say, Rob, if you could just hold on to that thought for one minute. We're going to go take a quick break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Leadership Development News. Don't go away. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, whathappyworkingmothersknow.com, or for distinctive learning practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We are kind of deconstructing what uh, COO Rob um, Marmerstein, I don't kind of find your name again, Rob, Rob Marmerstein did with Hurricane uh, Harvey, and we're trying to tease out what are some of the learnings, what are some of the skills, you know, that you can use as, as a leader. And so, Rob, you were saying before the break, you know, you would have rounding, which is, and maybe you want to explain that, was... Um, all the leaders together and, and maybe explain the rounding, but then anything else that you did that was helpful uh, for the, the 
managing people's emotions because they're all about kind of, you know, on a big-time level, emotional regulation. So maybe explain a little bit about what, what rounding is for folks who don't know that and then anything else that was helpful in this situation for you. For you. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, rounding, of course, is important in, in it's, it's a word that will be very familiar to anybody who works in a hospital, but certainly a lot of other um, types of organizations. Whenever that, when, during the storm, whenever we're not in the command center, absolutely tied down doing a specific task, um, we made it a point, and but when I say we, I mean our entire executive team and certainly our, our director team, to just be out wandering around the hospital, talking to as many of our staff as we can, getting some feedback, understanding the things that are stressing them out, and really looking for just little opportunities to uh, inject some confidence in, in the fact that we're safe, we're doing the right thing for patients, and that, um, you know, really this is the work that they're doing is something they should be, be proud of really for the rest of their careers because, you know, they wow. helped shepherd a large hospital through um, really the, the biggest rain event, I think, in U.S. history. Um, in addition to that, you know, it, it's, it's funny, but food goes a long way. So we had um, different types of, of themed food events in our cafe, which, of course, were free to anybody who, who was there. Um, the executive team is serving food, you know, all three meals. Uh, we're, we're using an opportunity to just kind of laugh and hang out with the staff who, who aren't on duty at, at whatever given time that is and, you know, continue to build and create relationships and, you know, really as a team uh, capitalize on the positivity in the room and make the best of of really what is a, a challenging situation. Um, another thing we did was we set up one of our conference rooms for, for a movie night. So we were fortunate here to have uh, a popcorn machine and some other kind of fun, silly things like that. So we, we started playing movies in one of the conference rooms and invited anybody who wanted to to come down and have, you know, sort of like a slumber party and watch movies, which is um, the novelty of doing that when you're an adult is, is just really kind of fun and keeps people lighthearted in the face of an otherwise very, very stressful situation. And you know, it was really great to see, especially coming around like day three, day four, when people really are starting to get tired and really starting to get, get, get stressed out. As you walk around the hospital, you still see um, a lot of smiles, a lot of laughs. Um, it seems that, that people are, are still getting along well. Because I, I made it a point to um, really assert with all of our directors that, guys, this is going to be difficult and this is either going to be a major culture-building experience for us or it's going to be a cultural catastrophe in terms of, mm. um, you know, relationships within the hospital. So, you know, one of the things that, that I kind of said several times during, during the storm was, you know, never let a good disaster go to waste. We have to use <laughs> this shared adversity as a team as a, as a culture-building exercise. Otherwise, um, you know, really we've, we've lost a big opportunity that we, we hope not to have again. And what was it you said? It's never funny. let a good what? Never let a good disaster, disaster. go to waste. Oh, okay. <laughs> I love that. It reminds me of uh, uh, Charles uh, Swindoll uh, saying, "The longer I live, the more I'm convinced I be. Uh, the the more <laughs> sorry, the more I live. Okay, the more convinced I become that life is ten percent what happens to us and ninety percent." how we respond to it. And you guys obviously, you know, just, just crushed the, uh, the whole situation with your attitudes, with your planning, and with, you know, knowing what people need, which is so important. And to me, you know, that's part of the, that whole example of being emotionally brilliant 
Um, it's how you dealt with those things. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example of just a tiny thing that really almost derailed a lot of a lot of the positive um, impact that we had made. You know, we've been working for for it was the storm was almost over. We've been working for three, four, five days now on on keeping people positive, and we had decided okay, the storm's about to be over. We know we're going to get an influx of patients. And we decided to go ahead and transfer out via helicopter 11 of our most critical patients just to make room for, you know, who knows what kind of, uh, hopefully not, but what kind of sick babies might be coming to the hospital or, you know, other really critically ill patients. And we wanted to make sure to get those other patients out. Well, you know, we did a press release to let people know that, yes, we're transferring some patients out. And somebody had misread that, and instead of transferring, they said evacuating patients out. And that one word really spread through the hospital like wildfire, and we had to go ensure that that everybody understood, no, 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 we're not evacuating anybody. We are very safe. We're not losing any utilities here. We just want to make sure that we continue to be safe and well-prepared for the patients that are going to come once once the rain and the flooding subside. Wow. So what a, what a no, great example. An example where one word could make really all the difference yeah. and almost undid a lot of the goodwill we, we worked on. So, Rob, just as a leader, we, you know, Kathy and I always right? were talking about communication, and, and that is a great example yeah. of that one word sent shocks through folks, you know, evacuation versus transfer, and then all the fear that, that probably had subsided and things that you were working on. Um, so this idea of emotional brilliance, was there something that happened uh, you know, as an example of just someone doing the right thing at the right time, which, you know, they have to read the situation and then they have to kind of have the right output. Uh, is there an example of, you know, of some of that what we would kind of highlight as emotional brilliance? Yeah, I certainly think there, there are hundreds of, of times throughout the situation where I thought to myself, oh, man, the, the absolute right thing just happened at the right time and that, you know, either saved the situation or kept the patient safe or, or what have you, but... When you ask that question, one thing that comes to mind is, you know, our staff are all looking to, to you know, the executive team and our directors as leaders to, to continue to show a positive and optimistic attitude and continue to, to keep them convinced that they're safe. And we had one nurse leader who was, was very stressed out, very, uh, at, towards the end of the storm, very concerned about, you know, just ensuring that you know, patients and, and her staff were in a good place. And at that point, you know, you haven't slept very much for four or five days, so nobody really is at their best. And she was being positive, but you could just look at her and tell that she was, you know, kind of at the end of her rope. And one of our other leaders walked up to her and just said, I think you need a hug and put her arms around her. And you could feel the entire room just just change. And that, that one, you know, little five-second uh, piece of, you know, human-to-human warmth absolutely took, took the tension out of, out of that situation for that individual. And it was, it was really moving to watch that. Wow. Yeah, you could hear it so, in your voice. Yeah, hug goes a long way. And, and the other part you mentioned is just how, how that helped everybody else. So how many people were in that room when that happened? Oh, probably 20 or 30. Gee, Okay. And I think for our listeners, that's exactly what we're trying to highlight, you know, knowing uh, when to do it, but then also knowing what to do it. And we talk a lot, Kathy and I talk a lot about, you know, this, uh, everything happens in the moment. And what a great example, you know, that took, you know, probably five or ten seconds and the impact that it had on not only the individual, but the 20 other people. That's so cool. Sure, because, and, 
Yeah, the, you know, emotions are contagious, right? So when you have one person who is starting to look exhausted, other people feel it. When you have one person who is starting to be fearful, other people feel it. When you have, right, one person can t- contaminate the, you know, if you will, well-being of others without even trying because those emotions are so palpable. So just looking at somebody giving them a hug, showing them care, um, really diffuses all of that energy. What a beautiful, beautiful experience. So a couple other questions we do as we're trying to deconstruct this, Rob. Um, So what were some of the, you know, the key learnings from this? I mean, and maybe with that, something that... uh, you would say, you know, we should do this again. Let's document that. And that's what we're trying to do now is document the successes. But then also anything that you would have done differently, too. So kind of both sides of the, of the equation from the learning. You know, sometimes in the military, so, they talk about this as an after-action review. Sure. So things, things we could have done differently. From a cultural perspective, I, I, there's not a whole lot I would have done differently. But from an organizational perspective, of course, whenever you have a large, excuse me, a large, complex, organization and a complex emergency that it's responding to, uh, the after action, you know, always shows some things you could have organized better or been better prepared for and what have you. So I think earlier communication to um, our A and B teams about timeline for coming in would have been um, helpful. Uh, I think earlier communication to our physicians, uh, we were fortunate to have everybody we needed in-house, but you know, I, I felt like there was maybe a little bit of luck there to, to make sure that we had everybody because really our hospital was an island for the majority of, of the storm. Uh, nothing was wow. getting in and out unless it was coming on a helicopter. And then things yeah. that went really well, um, you know, I said earlier, don't ever waste a good disaster. These are, any shared adversity is, you know, the potential for a huge culture building experience. And these are not um, experiences that you're looking to go out and create because, of course, something bad is happening. Um, but when it does happen, you got to make sure you, you capitalize on that. I think that's definitely something that, that I learned that the next time I, I deal with some type of, you know, large organization-wide um, impactful uh, challenge to make sure that not only are we addressing it in the best, safest, and, and most useful way possible, but, you know, also exploiting that, that um, experience for, for the good that it can provide as well as, as just the the practice in, in managing the, the bad. Hmm. Um, you know, something else I think that went really, really well is just organization across um, HCA. You know, I don't want to make this a commercial for my employer, but it was incredibly helpful that HCA set up an incident command center um, at our corporate headquarters in Nashville, a forward command center about 100 miles uh, east of us outside of the storm. And, you know, we were able to, to coordinate um, – through those various operations for things that we needed in terms of supplies and food and linen and things like that. So um, organization is key to response to really any, um, any challenge, but particularly in a, in a disaster like this. Rob, we'll take a quick break. We're going to be right back to hear more about this fascinating experience. And uh, I love that saying, never waste like a disaster. We'll be right back.
it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better what do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately how do you delegate effectively how do you develop strong relationships across the organization emotional intelligence training coaching books and tools by dr nadler are available at his website www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066 Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or Amazon Kindle. The Voice America interactive radio player powered by Aircast gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for your iPhone, Android, or Amazon Kindle powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple App Store Amazon, or Google Play. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking with Rob Marmerstein, uh, Chief Operating Officer of the Kingwood Hospital, and we're deconstructing all the learnings and and the leadership um, that he and his team uh, and all the staff provided at, for uh, the Kingwood Hospital at Hurricane Harvey. And just to highlight a couple things, Rob, that were very impressive that you and your team did was just that perspective. Kathy and I talk about how perspective is so important. In psychology, they call that, you know, a reframe, and the disaster could be, you know, terrible, and they could, people could kind of go down a rat hole with that. But providing the perspective of never let a good disaster go to waste really is what do we learn how do we how do we use this experience to build on and then the other part you know is that we share a lot about is leaders need to be out on the floor and sometimes that's the mbwa management by wandering around how do you capture those moments and like we said everything happens in the moment and help people around the confidence that you said uh, rob the we're safe this is going to work out you know all those uh aspects are so good um that you did and so one of the things uh, that we were curious about, given your experience, you know, is there, was there a personal or professional experience where you learned the most about emotions? Maybe it was this experience. Maybe it was something else. But where did you learn the most in, in your history about emotions? Um, sure. So early in my career, um, and I'll, I'll do my best to describe the situation without sharing uh, too many of the incriminating details. But early in my career, I had an experience (laughs) where 
um, as a young administrator, uh, I was dealing with a situation in a way that I, I thought was appropriate and um, turned out that somebody who was, was not involved in the situation really made some, some pretty inflammatory accusations as to, you know, my uh, lack of, of empathy or appropriateness in dealing with that situation. And I was really, at first, really taken aback and offended and angry and I, I went to go and, and try and learn more and um, uh, really felt um, attacked. And, you know, at first I was scared, like, okay, well, was maybe my approach to this, this situation uh, misinterpreted? And did I, did I act in a way that I didn't intend to and, and really ultimately be perceived as um, judgmental versus collaborative, which is what I was trying to do? And you know, ultimately found out that the the person uh, accusing me in this sense had actually kind of made the whole thing up. And my my initial personal reaction to that was, as I said earlier, anger, resentment, you know, all these negative things. And I I, I was like, you know, almost like ready for a, an emotional fight with this with this person and. Um, yeah, I, I talked to a few of my mentors and was able to kind of get calmed down and, you know, ultimately settled on what's my re- desired outcome of this situation. Well, my desired outcome is not, you know, the, the natural course of, oh, I want revenge. My desired outcome is, all right, this has occurred. I, I think I've suffered an injustice, but what am I going to do to make sure I learn from this situation and, and, and handle the next one better? So, you know, really the lesson there was, and this is kind of what I impart to, to young administrators I meet with now, because you're going to deal with situations where you're made to be the bad guy when you maybe didn't deserve it. But at the end of the day, what is your desired end? And are you progressing towards that or away from it? And when you fall down the, the trap of getting, you know, kind of emotionally hijacked and, and you know, having these feelings of, of retaliation and, and other negative things like that, well, you're not progressing towards your end. You're progressing towards, you know, something that makes, you know, the baser parts of your brain feel really good for a couple of seconds, and that's about it. So, you know, I apologize that, that sounds a little bit uh, ambiguous. I'm trying not to share too much and, and call names. Yeah. No, that's fine. I think what you said was very powerful, and I believe every one of our, you know, listeners uh, has had an experience that's similar. I'm sure Relly and I have, and it's the way that you responded, right? You, you made choices, um, but you have to learn how to do that, right? We, we all have to learn what different things trigger us, what different emotions mean to us, uh, so we can process those things, right? You did a, an amazing job of expressing that. Right. And one of, one of the things, Rob, that Kathy and I are going to have in our book, Emotional Brilliance, is a series of tools, and you kind of highlighted this, one that we call the emotional audit. It sounds like you got this from your, your mentor, but, you know, you just stop and pause and ask yourself these questions. What am I thinking? You know, you felt injustice. You were um, falsely accused. What are you feeling? You said you're angry. You were upset. You wanted revenge. What do you want? That was the question that kind of pulled you out of that. You know, what do you want? What's the resolution? The fourth question is, how are you getting in your way, you know, and, and you probably identified it was the anger, resentment. And then the last one is, what do I need to do differently? In that situation, did you do anything different, you know, with the person or did you just let that side, you know, or was it the difference what you just did shifting your own emotions? 
I shifted my own emotions and I, I really let let the rest of it slide. And although, you know, I didn't feel like that was fair, that was, you know, that's, that's the scenario from which I would derive the most utility. You know, that's the best outcome for, for the situation at hand is yeah. I've been through this. It's a drag. I don't like it, but I've learned from it. And, you know, I'll be, I'll be a better leader moving forward because of it. Wow. That's, that's such Powerful, great wisdom and emotional intelligence you, you had there. Go ahead, Cass. No, I was just saying, even when he says it again, right, it's very powerful for people to let go. And the one thing I tell people all the time, Rob, is no one can take your power without your permission, right? Mm -hmm. So if if you're not letting someone, right, if you're not giving your power away to somebody, how powerful that is to recognize that you have the choice, right? And that's what you did. You said, I don't want to feel like this anymore. I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm not going to, right? You, you shifted everything yeah. that most people get stuck in. That's beautiful. I think we've come to the end of the show today. I'm, I'm like, okay, I want more. So, Raul, you're going to have to come back. <laughs> yeah, it went very fast. I've had a really good time. We well, like thanks. that. Thanks, Rob. We really appreciate it. At least I'm happy. I know you know you and I will have some more connection. But you know, in our experience, this will be a nice, nice little adding to the relationship that we have. You know, just hearing that story and then trying to tease out the uh, strengths and strategies used. So we're coming to an end. This is Leadership Development News. Um, thank you for tuning in to tune up your performance, and we'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.